Welcome to the official broadcast of Life Fellowship Ministries in Kima, Texas. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. We are in this series, Foundations. And uh, if you've been coming for a while, you know that we've been talking about these basic fundamental things that, um, that the writer of Hebrews talks about. And on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8, we're drilling down into, we haven't actually started these six yet, we're still on the vision part, but we're going to be drilling down into each of these six topics, and I hope you will join us because it's really good. We cannot go on to the intermediate and advanced things until we understand the basics. And what we're finding is that these basic things that the writer of Hebrews is talking about is really not all that basic. In the culture of the church today. And so we need to really grasp these things because it's, uh, the basics are required before moving on to more maturity. And that's what we're talking about is we're talking about growing and becoming more mature. Not performing more, but growing more in Him. The Greek word for foundations is, means to be grounded, to be established, to be made firm and unwavering. Are you established? Are you firm in your faith in God and your relationship with Him? So let's look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature, what? In our understanding of the Word. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by what? The Word of God. And so as we get the Word of God in us, and we ingest that, and that becomes part of who we are, we begin to grow in our understanding of God's purpose and plan for our lives. And we begin to then... Uh, take the word of God and go out and live it and live this thing out. Verse 1 continues, Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil, de- evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. The Lord wants all of us to come to this place of understanding these basic fundamental teachings and become mature believers. So let's go back to verse 2 because that's what I'm going to focus on this morning. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. These these sermons are online, so if you want to go back and watch and podcast those or whatever, uh, please go back. The, The laying on of hands, that's what I want to talk about this morning. The resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. The New Testament word for uh, laying on of hands is epithesis, which means to impose, to add unto, to lay upon, to put upon, to set upon. That's what this word laying on of hands means. And so when we're laying our hands on someone, we're laying our hands on them for a specific purpose. And I'm not talking about that kind of laying our hands on. I'm going to go lay some hands on them. Bam! I heard a story about uh, there was a lady that was in an abusive relationship, and she came to church one day, and she'd been beat up pretty good. So the pastor said, he called some of his posse together. He said, boys, I think we need to go have a conversation with her husband, and I think we need to lay hands on him. 
So I'm not proposing that we do that. That's not the kind of hands I'm laying, I'm talking about laying on. But I'm talking about from a, a biblical, spiritual perspective. Uh, place of laying hands on one another. So I want to talk a little bit about that. Again, this morning, on these Sunday mornings, I'm just hitting the surface of what this is about. And when we get into this on Wednesday night, we're really going to go deep. So it's going to be several weeks before we get to the laying on of hands. But I'm just giving you a broad brush overview of of what, uh, what the writer's talking about here. So laying on of hands, the purpose for the laying on of hands is for a number of different applications. And we see that exampled in the Bible. So there is a spiritual transference that can happen as we lay our hands on someone or the laying on of hands. And uh, the Lord gives instructions to Moses regarding sacrifice of animals for the sins of the people. And let's go to Leviticus chapter 1 verses 3 and 4. If the animal you present as a burnt offering from the herd... If, if the animal you present as a burnt offering is from the herd, it must be a male with no defects. And so we know that God is very exacting. He said, don't bring any diseased, maimed, uh, you know, half-dead animals uh, as a sacrifice. And uh, he says, don't bring a female. He says, he's very specific, right? He says, bring a male animal that has no defects. A quality offering to the Lord. And so that's the reason when we talk about returning uh, our tithe to the Lord, returning our 10%, we talk about returning the first 10% to the Lord because we're giving Him our best, not our leftovers. And that should be our heart. Listen, it's, it's not about the money. It's not about all these other things. It's, about our, it's a matter of our heart. Where's our heart? Are we giving God the leftovers? How, did, how honoring is that? And that's what was happening here, and we see that time and time again, even in Malachi, where uh, uh, the prophet speaks to the people and says, you're bringing these junky, half-dead animals to the Lord for, for him, to honor him? You wouldn't even give these things to your governor. And so what's our heart in giving to God? And I'm not talking about money necessarily. I'm talking about giving of, of ourselves. Are we giving our best to the Lord? And so that's one reason we come to church on Sunday is because we're starting off our week. We're giving the first of our week to Him, to honor Him. So let's, uh, if, if the animal you present as a burnt offering is from the herd, it must be a male with no defects. Bring it to the entrance of the tabernacle so that you may be accepted by the Lord. Again, the Lord is very exacting, right? He doesn't say bring it to the side. Don't bring it to the back. He says bring it to the entrance, so that you may be accepted by the Lord. Verse 4, lay your hand on the animal's head, and the Lord will accept its death in your place to purify you, making you right with him. So this was an act of transference where they're laying their hand on the head of this animal, and it's like a transference of their sin to this animal that's going to be sacrificed. Now we know that Jesus took on the sacrifice for all of us, right? And, and so, again, we're talking about laying on of hands here. This was an act of transference or imparting the sins of the people to the, to the animal. It's an, a type of impartation. And uh, uh, to impart means to give. It's important that we know who's laying their hands on us and what they're imparting to us, right? 
And sometimes I think we get real casual about that, but we need to understand that there can be a spiritual implication of the laying on of hands. So I want us to be careful, you know, who we're laying hands on, and I want us to be careful who's laying hands on us. I remember when we went, when we were in India a couple of years back, and uh, we were with Pastor Mohan, and he said, listen, these panhandlers, don't even look at them, and don't give them anything. Because they will, they, and they were like flies. I mean, you get out of the car and they're like right there and they're, they're wanting money and they're wanting you to give them something. And uh, we were traveling and we were at a, uh, a train station outside and these panhandlers were coming up. And they wanted to get close to us and they wanted to touch us. And I said, no, no, stop. And I remember this one, I think it was a lady, came up to Christine and she was kind of kneeling down, and she wanted to rub her feet. And I said, stop it. No. No. Stop. And so we got up and moved, and then the lady started to come over there. And I got between her, and I said, no. No. I don't want this woman touching my wife. Because I don't know what she has on her. I don't know what kind of impartation and we know that when, uh, when our missionaries went to Africa, uh, they've told us a story about where uh, they were in a group of people and somebody came and pulled one of her hairs out and then began to conjure up demons and stuff against them. Listen, we don't need to be paranoid, but we need to understand that there are spiritual implications for some of these things. And, uh, and, and so we need to understand what this is about, and I know when, when Pastor Christine was in Africa, they had witch doctors and people coming and trying to interrupt the service. There is a spiritual warfare that happens all around us. And see, uh, PC will, will tell us that in, in Africa, they don't have a problem with the spiritual. They understand the spiritual. What they need to know is the Holy Spirit. Because they're in touch with these unholy spirits and these demonic activity, but there is something that happens. And, and if you remember, part of the story that they shared from Africa is uh, when they were sleeping, uh, the lady felt uh, pressure on her chest. And she thought, well, one of the kids had come and got in bed with them and was laying on top of her. And when she woke up, there were black mambas all over the room. There was a black mamba on her chest. And she said she'd watch National Geographic enough to know the danger of a black mamba. And she said she began to call out to the name of Jesus. And all of those snakes left. Some of them just disappeared and some of them slivered out through the door. So we're talking about spiritual implications here as well as physical. And again, we don't need to be paranoid or afraid because greater is he who is in us, is Jesus, than he who is in the world. But we need to understand that there is spiritual warfare going on around us. All the time. We may not see it, but it's happening. And what did Jesus say? He said the thief is what? Come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you may have life in abundance or abundant life, right? And so the enemy is not taking any prisoners. And you know, people, maybe you've been in a situation at some point in time where you were bound up and you needed to be set free. And so when we go down to the chemo boardwalk in a couple of weeks for the sunrise service, we're praying 
that those people will be set free. We're praying that communities will be set free because there are principalities and powers. The word says we battle not against what? Flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness in the heavenly places. And so there are principalities that I believe are over this place that have been here for a long time. So when we go down there, we're praying against those things. They were building crosses for the KKK in the 80s across the street from where we are right now. And so we're praying that those kinds of things get broken. So let me get back to laying on of hands here. Um, we need to, to be aware and we, we need to be careful. Okay, that's all I'm saying. And uh, when we go to another country, uh, we're very cognizant of those kinds of things, of people touching us and trying to pull hair and conjure up demons and do all kinds of stuff because it's real, folks. It's real stuff. And we, we may not see a lot of it here, but you go overseas and, and you see more of it over there. Uh, uh, we asked Pastor Mohan, what is it? Is there just more demonic activity over there, overseas, than there is here? And he said, no, you just educate them and name them over here. We give them all kinds of names, right? ADHD, you know, uh, all this kind of stuff. Listen, people just need to be free. I don't care if you put a label on it or whatever. We need to be free and we need to walk in the power and the authority and the dominion that God has given us. We need to walk in the love and the freedom that God has provided. Okay, I'm kind of getting off track here, but let's, let's go back. Okay, so the purpose of the laying on of hands uh, has a number of applications. Some of those can be for consecration, for blessing, for giving authority, for giving wisdom, for imparting spiritual power. Uh, the Lord uses us, the, the Lord desires to use us to bless others, not to curse others or pervert what God has, has uh, created and made. Listen, the enemy can't create anything, but his desire is to pervert everything. So God created everything for good. He created everything. Uh, so let's look at for consecration. The person laying on the hands... On another is a spiritual impartation. That's, this is really what I'm talking about. Is a spiritual impartation and significant to the person having their hands laid on. Okay, so it's like appointing a leader in a church. Let's look at First uh, Timothy 5:22. Never be in a hurry about appointing a church leader. Do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Let me look at it. Let's look at it in God's Word translation. Don't be in a hurry to place your hands on anyone to ordain them. Don't participate in the sins of others. Keep yourself morally pure. And I remember when Pastor Don ordained Christine and I, and he called us up, and he had the elders lay hands on us and pray for us. And he, he laid hands and prayed for us as well. And then some of them had a word for us that they spoke over us. And um, they were imparting something into us they were preparing us to release us to go and do the work of the ministry so there was a laying on of hands there was an impartation and there was an encouraging word and then there was okay now we want you to go and i remember when we were there we were actually he said uh he asked us to kneel down and he said now put some pressure on their shoulders a little bit not too much but let them feel this weight, this spiritual weight. Let this be a reminder to them of the spiritual weight that they're now going to be carrying as they're ordained and they go out to minister. 
And so it, it was a great experience, and it's still a great reminder. There are standards that church leaders should adhere to. And church leaders should lead in modeling Christ-like behavior and lifestyles. And when we lay hands on someone and send them out into ministry, we are identifying ourselves with them. They are identified now with the ministry that is sending them out and ordaining them. And so uh, we need to be sure that they will represent the Lord well, and we need to be sure that they represent the church well and, uh, and faithfully. Let's look at Acts 13, 2 and 3. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I've called them. So a calling, a releasing, is from the Lord. It's not from men. It's a calling, and, and so God will say, Okay, listen, I want to send them out. They are prepared. They've been trained and equipped. Verse 3, So after more fasting and prayer, you notice they were fasting and they were praying. After more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So we see that there's an element of laying on of hands for impartation to send out and to release, to go do the ministry. There's also the laying on of hands for blessing. Jacob blesses Joseph's sons. And uh, take note here, uh, Jacob is old and doesn't see very well. And uh, the right hand of blessing normally meant a greater blessing. So let's look at Genesis 48 here. Joseph moved the boys who were at their grandfather's knees, and he bowed his face to the ground. Okay, so Joseph is moving his sons in front. This is the way I picture it. Okay, Jacob is here. He's sitting down. Here's his right hand, right? Here's his left hand. Joseph uh, is over here with his two sons, and he's like, okay, this is Jacob's. This is grandfather's right hand, so I want the older son over here. So that when Jacob lays out his right hand to bless my oldest son, I want him to be right in front of him, right? So, so, he, huh? so he wanted him in front of the right hand and then the younger son in front of the left hand, which was typical for then. The, the older child, the older son, got a double portion. So let's read on here. So Joseph moved the boys who were at their grandfather's knees, and he bowed his face to the ground. Then he positioned the boys in front of Jacob. With his right hand, he directed Ephraim toward Jacob's left hand. So he's facing him. So with his right hand, he's uh, directing Ephraim to Jacob's left hand so that he'll get the left hand laid on him. And so Joseph positions the boys in that manner. Let's read on. And with his left hand, he put Manasseh at Jacob's right hand. Verse 14. But Jacob, when he was going to bless them, what did he do? But Jacob crossed his arms and reached out to lay his hands on the boy's heads. He put his right hand on Ephraim, though he was the younger boy, and his left hand on the head of Manasseh, though he was the firstborn. So wait a minute, Jacob, you're doing it wrong here. You're just supposed to stick your hands out and put your hands. I've got it all set up for you. And how many times do we try to do that with God? We say, okay, God, I've got it all set up. Well, wait, 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 wait. You're not doing it the way you're supposed to. You're not doing it the way I want you to do it. 
but that's not how I want it, God. Are we ever like that? Don't answer. Okay. Let's read on. Okay. So uh, let's read on in 17. But Joseph was upset. He's like, wait a minute. No. No, Dad, this is not how it's supposed to go. But Joseph was upset when he saw that his father placed his right hand on Ephraim's head. So Joseph lifted it to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. So now Joseph is trying to get in the middle of this thing. He's saying, okay, you know, let me fix this for you. Have we ever said, God, let me fix this for you? And then, uh, God, would you fix this for me? I didn't do a very good job. I really messed it up here. And so Jacob says, uh, or Joseph says, no, my father, this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused. I know, my son, I know, he replied. Manasseh will also become a great people, but his younger brother will become even greater, and his descendants will become a multitude of nations. Do you think it was important? Do you think Jacob knew what he was doing? Do you think there was an importance to which hand went on which head? Ah, it doesn't matter. Just put your hand on my head. No, it made a difference. Joseph was upset. I remember my dad's been gone on... August the 9th, uh, it will be 26 years coming up this, this summer. And my dad had had a stroke, and he had lost his voice, and he was going downhill. And I remember going to the nursing home one day, and uh, my dad was sitting there on the bed. He was so glad to see me. I said, Dad, I want you to bless me. And he kind of looked at me like, you know, it, it really caught him by surprise. And I said, Dad, I want you to bless me. And he said, all right. So he put his hand on me, and he prayed for me. I don't know what he prayed. I don't know what he said. But I left that day, and I think I came back the next day, and he was so excited to, me see, to see me, and he said, you know, sit on the bed. Uh, I want you to sit next to me. And he reached out his hand. He put his hand on me to bless me again. See, I think what happened was during that 24-hour or 48-hour period, he went to the Lord and he's like, wow, I want to make sure that I'm blessing my son in the manner in which you want me to bless him, in the manner in which I need to bless him because this is important. Dad, you have a great responsibility to your children to lead them and guide them and bless them and hold them accountable in love and grace because one day they're going to be a dad. One day they're going to be in the position you're in. Are you leading your children well? Are you leading your family well? Men, you need to be here Thursday for men's group. This is, where we, this is where it gets real, y'all. I mean, come on. This is where we talk about real life things. Because it's important. It's not just another meeting. It's where we come together as iron sharpens iron and we build one another up and we encourage one another and we strengthen one another and we talk about real life stuff. So the laying on of hands, there's a purpose for laying on of hands. 
And it has a number of applications. It can be for consecration, blessing, giving authority, uh, giving wisdom, spiritual power. There is power in the laying on of hands. And if you've been here very long, you know that when somebody's sick, sometimes we will anoint them with oil and pray for them, laying hands on them, praying for them. Let's go to Mark chapter 5. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Verse 22. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. This was a leader of the synagogue. And he saw Jesus and he falls down at his feet, pleading with him fervently. My little daughter is dying. He said, please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. We don't, I don't know much about this leader. But listen, desperate situations call for desperate measures. And this man apparently knew that Jesus could heal his daughter. I think there was, forget the pride, forget what other people are going to think. I need some healing for my daughter, Jesus, and I know you can do it. So I'm coming to you and I'm pleading with you. Will you please go and touch my daughter and heal her? Do we have that understanding about the power of Jesus? Are we real with him? Are we willing to yield ourselves to him? Are we willing to, for somebody to say something about, oh, they're a Jesus freak. Hey man, listen, I need some help right now. My daughter's dying. I don't care what you think. I'm coming to the healer, the one that can heal her. And that's the access that we have. That's the access that the world has that they don't know about until they come into this relationship. That's why it's so important that that we go out and share the hope and the love of Christ with others because they need that same hope. They need that same healing. So he comes to him and he's pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying. He said, please come and lay your hands on her and heal her so she can live. And while on the way, while on the way there, Jesus is in this crowd. And you know the story where he has contact with the woman, where the woman is like, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. This was right while he's going on this trip to to go lay hands on this little girl. This, This event happens in 528. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, if I can just touch his robe, I'll be healed. Did she need some healing? Was she willing to do something desperate? Are we desperate enough for God that we're going to reach out to Him? Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from Him, so He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? You may remember some accounts of the story. They're like, who touched the road? There are people all around you touching you. And Jesus was like, no, wait a minute. There's something special that happened here because somebody reached out to touch my robe for healing in faith. No, no, it wasn't just a casual bump into me. Let's look at verse 34. And he said to her, daughter, your faith, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Do you need something from God? Do you need Him to do something? 
Are you willing to go through the crowd and navigate through the crowd to touch him? Oh, it's inconvenient, you know. I want to sleep in today. I don't want to go to church. I don't, I, you know. Maybe we're not walking in the fullness of God because we don't have a commitment to him. Maybe we're not willing to fight through the crowd or push through the crowd to get to him. While Jesus was speaking to the woman, they tell Jairus, your daughter is dead. So Jesus is talking to the woman. Your faith has made you you're, you whole. You're healed now. Go. You're not going to have this issue anymore. And while he's talking to her, these guys are coming and saying, hey, man, it's too late, dude. Your daughter's dead. It's over with. But Jesus. But Jesus overheard them and said to him, don't be afraid, just have faith. I think he's saying, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? I have all power and all authority. Don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. Just have faith. And Jesus goes to the girl and he holds her hand and he tells her, get up. And the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. And they were overwhelmed and totally amazed. When we have this expectation, when we live this life of faith, God will do amazing things through our lives. But it requires us to step out. It's in what? Impossible? It is impossible. Tell your neighbor, it's impossible to please God without faith. So the purpose of the laying on of hands... Uh, has a number of applications. It can be for consecration, blessing, authority, wisdom, and spiritual power. And there's power in the laying on of hands. The word said, says that there's power in our words. That the power of life and death is in our tongues. Are we speaking life over ourselves? Are we speaking life over our marriages and our families? Are we speaking life over one another? Listen, we can speak life just as easily as we can speak death. And what, what do we tell ourselves? That's why it's important that we know the Word of God. Wait a minute, I'm feeling like I want to beat myself up right now, but the Word of God says that I, above all creation, I'm His prized possession. Do I, do I really understand that? Do I believe that? Because when I come to this place of understanding that God loves me in spite of myself, in spite of the knucklehead things that I've done, in spite of the disobedience that I've uh, demonstrated, in spite of all the things that I've done, that His grace, His mercy, His forgiveness is greater than my sin. And I'm not proposing that we live these lifestyles. I'm saying let's come to Jesus and yield our hearts and lives to Him and let Him fix our broken lives so that we can live the abundant life that Christ came to give each and every one of us. God is doing something in this hour. God is doing something in our lives when we yield to Him and give Him permission. But it requires us to say, God, I'm giving you permission. And I want to thank you guys so much for your faithfulness and attending. Thank you for being here this morning. And I really want to challenge you. 
to come on Wednesday night from 7 to 8. We have child care. Um, I know sometimes you have other things going on, but for Yaris, it was a priority. And if something's a priority, we'll make it a priority in our life. And these classes that we're teaching on Wednesday night are for you. They're for all of us. And they're going to help us grow. Because this this Christian life is not just about coming to church. It's about going out and living it out there. It's about our lives being brought into alignment with His purpose and plan and, and the broken areas in our lives restored and fixed. We're not just here to play church, guys. We're here to connect with Him and let Him do something in our lives so that we have the passion and the fire and the desire and the heart of God to go out and make a difference in the world. Jesus said, go and build the kingdom. Not your own kingdom, but my kingdom, he said. Go build my kingdom. We have a great opportunity uh, this afternoon. I've been invited to speak at, at uh, Alberto's and these guys' home church. Yeah. So I'm excited about it. And uh, it's let me tell you it's an honor for someone to invite us to go speak at their church and i'm really excited about it we have a relationship with these guys and we love them and they love us and now we get a chance to go experience a different culture they're gonna play some salsa music no i don't know you get get your latin thing going on okay i won't dance i may rap no um so we're going to meet here at 3.15 this afternoon, and we're going to depart at 3.30. If you come at 3.35, we're going to be gone, okay? And uh, if you miss us, take Beltway 8 around this way to Bel Air, okay? Bel Air, you go a few blocks, and then you go south on Cook Road 7130. 7130 Cook Road, and it's on the right, the left side, okay? So... I would love for you guys to join us. I mean, for a number of reasons. I would love for you guys to be there, and we'll just caravan over there this afternoon. But I want us to experience the culture of their church and see what goes on there. Man, I love going to different churches and experiencing the culture. And when we go to India, when we go to Africa, when we go to Malaysia, when we go to the Philippines, wherever we go, it's a different culture there. But it's the same Spirit of God. It's the love of Christ. We are called the body of Christ. And I love the diversity in this room, but I love the diversity when we can go to another church and experience their worship. So we'll meet here at 3.15. We'll leave at 3.30. The service starts at 5, and then we'll be back a little later this evening. So come and join with us in Caravan. Men, Thursday night, be here. It's good stuff. And uh, what else? Is that it? It's our monthly meeting. So, we, men, we only meet once a month. You only have one time this month to meet with us. Friday, a a good Friday when we have all of that stuff going on in a couple of weeks. So anyway, I love you very much. I appreciate you. I'm so glad you came this morning. And as always, I want to challenge you to make a difference in the world. Go out and live it. Thank you for tuning into our broadcast. For more information, be sure to find us at our website at www.lifefellowship.me or call us at 832-864-2800. Have a great week, and remember to live it. God bless you.